Greetings to each one. Good to be here this morning and uh, take part in the service here. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer before we begin. Father in heaven, we do come to you at the beginning of the message here. We do seek your face. I do pray that your blessing would rest upon us. Pray that you would speak to our hearts. Help me to take what I share and apply it to my own heart as well. Lord, our hearts are turned to you this morning. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I was, like I said, blessed with the service thus far. Uh, thinking about non-resistance and the challenge that it is, my, the question that came to my mind is, why is it such a challenge for me to live something like that out in my life? What? Why is it a challenge? Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We would, we all have a desire to live holy, acceptable lives, right? It is our reasonable service. And it says, be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Uh, there's two separate, uh, we talked about separation of church and state as being two different kingdoms. There is also the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Uh, so, why, why the challenge? Let's turn back to Romans. Let's turn to Romans 7 just to give a little uh, picture of this Struggle. Romans 7. The struggle of the flesh and the spirit is what's pictured here. What I want to do and what God wants me to do. That's the, that's the problem with living out the non-resistant life, right? That which I naturally would want to do and that which God would have me to do. Verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. We see the conflict. And then the cry of his heart is, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? from the body of this death. Who shall deliver me from this conflict? 
And then the answer is, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We cannot rise above that conflict without Jesus. We can try, but we won't. We won't attain it. So then, with the mind I serve, I myself serve the law of God, but the flesh, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So that's a little bit of the conflict. What I would like to talk about this morning is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, let's turn over to Galatians. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. I think we'll look at verse 16, starting at verse 16. But this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things ye would. There again, we have the picture of the conflict. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. They are directly opposed to each other. The flesh lusteth against the Spirit. Um, we think of lust, to have a desire for. Uh, what my flesh desires is not what the Spirit would have us to do. And the spirit against the flesh. Those two are against each other. They're contrary. They're opposites. So that you cannot do the things you would. That which my flesh would like to do is something I cannot do if I'm walking with God. In Romans 8, 1, if we want... Yeah, maybe I should just look at a few of those verses. Uh, talking about walking in the Spirit, after the Spirit, and not after the flesh. Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. That word after. They are after the flesh. Um, we are following after. We are walking in that direction. Uh, our heart is turned toward. We're after. And then we are walking after. We are walking in that pathway. Following it. So, which one are we after? They that are after the Spirit mind, do mind the things of the Spirit. 
For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I guess one of the things, thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, um, I had to think of the natural illustration of fruit. We tell a tree by the fruit it gives. We can tell an apple tree by the fruit it gives. You may be able to tell it by the leaves, but the real proof is in the fruit. So, uh, James says, James 3 says, you don't expect a fig tree to give olives. You don't expect a vine tree, vine to give figs. So, our lives need to be producing the fruit of the Spirit. Now, when we notice, if we notice that we are not producing the fruit of the Spirit like we should, what should we do? Shall we say, okay, I don't have love. I don't have joy. I don't have peace coming out of my life. I'm going to go after that. Is that... Is that the answer? I don't think so. The fruit of the Spirit is something that naturally comes forth out of our lives. We are in Christ. John 15. I am the vine and my Father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit. We're not bearing fruit. He takes it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. If we are abiding in him, he is abiding in us, we will have right fruit coming out of our lives. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. The man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples." The Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, there's another part, keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Let me go. Stop reading there. We could read on, but. We all want to have the fruit of the Spirit. Alive and well in our lives. So, I think the answer is, be in the vine. Be in Christ, have Christ in you. Another observation, it says, the fruit of the Spirit. I believe here it's talking about a cluster, rather than individual fruits. Now, you might catch me saying the fruits of the Spirit. But it says fruit here. Like a cluster of grapes. 
So, I believe we should have the full cluster, not just a few of them, but I think we, we should have the whole uh, fruit. Now, what I would like to do is go down through here and uh, look at each one of the fruits of the Spirit. Think a little bit about what the definition of it, the Bible, what the Bible has to say about it. Jesus' example. He is our perfect example of this fruit. And then think about what other Bible characters may have uh, shown forth these fruits. What is love? First of the fruits of the Spirit. Love. Love is not warm feelings, but a deliberate attitude of goodwill and devotion to others. Love gives freely without looking if the other person deserves it or... And gives without expecting return. Attitude of goodwill and devotion to others. Not just a warm feeling. It's something we decide to do. And it does not... It's not because of circumstances. It's a deliberate attitude of goodwill. We know the passage... 1 Corinthians 13, I think we're going to read a number of verses there just to give some of the characteristics of love. 1 Corinthians 13, what does love look like? I'll give you another interesting thing is to look at this passage here in 1 Corinthians 13 and compare it to the fruits of the Spirit and see how much they cross over. Beginning in verse 4, what does love look like? Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Okay, I think I'm going to stop reading there. Charity is love. Charity um, lived out is going to suffer long not envy, doesn't puff itself up, behave unseemly, seeks not her own, not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth, believeth, and hopeth, endureth all things. Thinking about Jesus, First of all, God himself so loved the world that he gave his son. God given his son 
was a an example of love. Jesus. Think about Jesus. It was his love that said, okay, I'll go. I will do it. I will go to the earth. I will leave heaven, go to earth, suffer and die and give his life so that we might have life. Became obedient unto death. Philippians 2. And we want this mind, as it says here, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So, Jesus was willing to die. That's, that's how far his love went. He was willing to give his life, beating unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, maybe I'll just uh, open it up here. Have you involved a little bit in, in some of these? Uh, in what other ways did Jesus show that love? And I guess the other thing we'd like to look at is other Bible characters that showed that love. Uh, what are some other Bible characters that would have exemplified love? <clears throat> Stephen was an example. He's willing to give his life. Abraham and his care for Lot. You got nothing back from that. Right. Abraham and Lot. Abraham says, You choose. Joseph forgave his brothers. Very good. Good Samaritan. He was an example of showing love. Ruth and Naomi is another example. Okay. I think we'll move on to the next one. Next fruit is joy. Joy is gladness independent of good or bad circumstances. Joy denotes supernatural gladness which actually shows up best in hard times. Joy is a product of fixing our focus on God's purposes rather than the circumstances. We can have joy in the midst of difficult times. The only way we can do that is by realizing that God has purposes in what he does and what he allows. If we focus on circumstances, things don't usually come out right. We get our focus off of God when we look at the circumstances. So it's a supernatural gladness. 
independent of good or bad circumstances. Okay. For joy, I had to think of Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. So, the Lord is joyful. When I am in fellowship with God and pleasing to Him and the His joy is my strength. What does the Bible say about rejoicing? Philippians 4.4 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, when... When did it say that Jesus had joy or rejoicing? Yes. Right. Jesus endured the cross because he had a joy for what was set before him. What was it that was set before him? It would be good to think about that just a little bit. The joy that was set before him was what? Redemption for mankind. Yes. He, the joy was that now the way is made clear for others to be uh, brought into the family of God. Okay. Any other examples of Jesus with joy? I don't have anything written here, but maybe you had to think of something. Paul and Silas. Yes. Paul and Silas in prison. That took something to be in that situation and to be singing and praising the Lord at midnight. Any other any other Bible characters that would have Exemplified joy. Here's some a few verses in Philippians that I thought was good. Philippians one, three, and four. I thank God, my God, upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. We can bring our requests. To God, let's be joyful. How can we be joyful when we bring a difficult situation to God? We can be joyful because we know it's God that we're bringing it to. And He is the one that can answer. Any other thoughts on joy? Okay, next one is peace. Peace is not the absence of turmoil, but the presence of a tranquility even while in chaos. Peace is a sense of wholeness and completeness that is content knowing that God is in control. When we know God is in control, we can have that peace. Peace 
that the world looks on and says, I don't know how you do it. But it's a peace that passes understanding. Romans 5.1 Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, our first peace needs to be with God. And then, that's the vertical, the horizontal needs to be worked out as well with our brothers and sisters. What does it say about Jesus? He was the Prince of Peace, right? Jesus was the Prince of Peace. Romans 14. Jesus was sending the Comforter to take his place when he was ready to leave. Verse 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So God... Uh, yeah, Jesus was that giver of peace to his disciples. Disciples were going through something they, I don't know if they quite understood uh, with Jesus ready to leave. I'm sure it was a troublesome time for them. So he was giving his peace to them. What about a Bible character that had an interest in peace? Think of any? The one that I had to think of was Isaac in Genesis 26. The, uh, what group was it? Ishmaelites were taking the wells. What did Isaac do? They took a well. What did he do? He went and dug another one. He didn't make trouble. But he kept... He did that a number of times. Three or four times. And uh, did not make trouble. So, peace. He was interested in peace. Think of any other Bible characters... Okay, that's, that's the one I had to think of. Uh, next is suffering, which is, another word, would be patience. Long-suffering is forbearance, perseverance, and steadfastness. It is the ability to endure ill treatment without lashing out or paying back. To forbear means to put up with something. Long-suffering, patience.
Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and verse 2. Start in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Here we, here we have another uh, cluster, if you want to call it that. Many of the fruits of the Spirit are listed here. But notice the attitude, lowliness, meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When was Jesus long-suffering? When was Jesus long-suffering? Right. He was long-suffering with everybody. <laughs> okay? Good answer. What about when he went on trial? That's the part that I thought shined out. How did he respond? There's times where he did not even answer. He just was quiet. He was silent. What about on the cross? What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Long suffering. Rather forgiving than to lash back. What about uh, an Old Testament example of somebody with that kind of a heart? That's right. David and Saul. David recognized that Saul was king, so he did not uh, lash back at him. Rather, that time when he... Or did he do it twice? He was able to take part of his garment, but he was smitten when he did it. Long-suffering. Another one I had to think of was Job. Job was one that had uh, everything was gone. But he said, uh, what was Job's response right now? His wife says, curse God and die. Right? But Job says, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's right. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Gentleness or kindness. Gentleness looks for ways to adapt to meet the needs of others. Gentleness is a moral goodness that overflows, shown by our speech and actions. Not just something we talk about, but something we do. 
How do we handle persecution? What's our response? 2 Corinthians 6, I think, is Paul's. When Paul was being persecuted in troubles, Second Corinthians 6, 4 says, But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. And here it says, how? By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand, on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true. Think about his attitude in the midst of his problems. By long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, he couldn't have done it in his own strength and come out the way he did. What about Jesus? Once again, he, he was kind and gentle to everyone, right? Any specifics? I'd think of a few. You think of any? Thinking of uh, the woman taken in adultery. Did he handle that in a, in a harsh way? No. He went, stooped over, did some writing in the sand and the accusers left says neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more another one think of uh, the servant was it Malchus that his ear cut off what did Jesus do he healed it instead of doing something otherwise he was there to heal that ear Think of anything other in particular about Jesus or another Bible example. Jesus took time for children. Good example. Suffer the little children to come unto me. Forbid them not. I had to think of Paul. Um, it says in Thessalonians that his care for the church is mentioned being like a nurse. A nurse had a special heart for, it, for the patient that he had. Paul had that kind of a heart for the church. Think of any others? Okay, let's go on to the next one.
right. Almost skipped one here. Goodness. Goodness reflects the character of God. Goodness wants to see good in others, even giving the right kind of correction where needed. If we're wanting to carry out goodness, we want to be like God and we want to see good in others, even if we need to speak into their lives where correction is needed. What what character um, of Jesus, what example of Jesus would show his goodness? John, it talks about Jesus being a good shepherd. Good shepherd. The shepherd cares for his sheep. He leads them. Go to Psalm 23 and apply that to Jesus. Uh, leading his people. Acts 10. Ten Okay, speaking of Jesus here, Peter was preaching, and it says in verse 38, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So, my heart says, I want to be that way. Went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him, anointed with the Holy Ghost. He had the fruit of the Spirit flowing out of his life. For a Bible character, anybody have one on goodness? The one I had to think of was Dorcas. Dorcas in the book of Acts says that she was full of good works. Um, not far away. Nine, Acts 9.36 Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha which by interpretation called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. So may that be the testimony of us, full of good works. Okay, I think we're going to keep moving here. Number, the seventh one is faithfulness. A faithful person is a person with real integrity. Others can look to them for an example of devotion to Christ and others. The faithful person seeks good for others and for the glory of God. He is not taking glory for himself, to himself. Jesus was an example 
of faithfulness. John twelve twenty seven. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. He was faithful. He was faithful even unto death. So we talked about earlier. Hebrews Hebrews 2.7 Sorry, 2.17 Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to make like unto to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is also able to succor them that are tempted. He was faithful unto the end. Okay. Any, anything you're thinking of? Any uh, Bible character? Okay. Mary chose the good part. Yes. Daniel was faithful. He was called into the... Uh, Babylonian, yeah, to the Babylonians, and he was, he asked for, to eat pulse instead of eating the king's meat. He was faithful. And many other instances in that book. Yes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego turned into the fiery furnace. I thought of another one, but I slipped my mind. Abraham and Isaac, yes. Joseph. Joseph was faithful. He did not uh, fall to Potiphar's wife. He was faithful. Okay, I think we've got to keep on moving here. Meekness or gentleness. Meekness is not weakness. It's not without power. It just defers it to others. Forgives others and corrects with kindness. The challenge for me was, am I meek or gentle or am I headstrong? Or picture the Bible gives a picture of pushing with the shoulder.
Galatians 6. Ye that are Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Meekness. How was Jesus an example of meekness? What does it say in Matthew 11? I am what? Meek and lowly in heart. Uh, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest for your souls. Another example was his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. What did he ride? One of the children. What was he riding? What was he riding? Did he go in on a fancy horse? What was it? Donkey. Somebody got the answer. Good. Meekness. Who was the Bible character that was termed the meekest man that ever lived? Moses. Meekness. Anybody have any others? Okay. Next one is temperance. Temperance is self-control. Our fleshly desires are at odds with God's spirit and wants to be in charge. Self-control is releasing our grip on our fleshly desires and choosing the control of His Holy Spirit. So we let go of what I want for what He wants. Self-control. Second Peter 1. Second Peter 1, 5 through 7. Besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have temperance in there. And also, I guess this is another cluster, cluster of fruit. We should be desiring for our lives, should be living and in good condition. Did Jesus show that um, temperance or self-control? What about his fasting? How many days did he fast? Forty days, right? Self-control. What did he do when the authorities came for him in the garden? 
Did he use self-control? Yes. He allowed them to take him. And Daniel was another example in the Old Testament. We talked about that a little bit ago. That he did not take the king's meat. Temperance. Thinking of anything else in that line. Okay, that is the fruit of the Spirit. Let's go back here to our text in Galatians. In closing, I'd just like to look at the next verse, or in verse 25. Verse 24 says, They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And then verse 25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we have the life of Christ in us, if we live we say that we have that life, let us also walk. That's more than just say that we have it, but let's walk it. Let's walk it out. What do we do? <clears throat> you say, I don't have it like I should. What do we do with a tree? We dig around it. Doesn't the Bible talk about that? Dig around it, fertilize it, water it, prune it. And we did talk about abiding in Christ. I think that that is the key. One challenge that uh, maybe when we get tested, when we get bumped, what comes out of our cup? Think about that a little bit. What gets bumped? What comes out of the cup when we get bumped? So, the tree will give the fruit from the kind of tree it is. So, if we don't have that uh, fruit of the Spirit alive and well in our lives, Let's check and see that we're plugged in to the source, and that is Jesus Christ. So, may the Lord bless each one of you.